Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Keener, joined by a fellow editor, Katie Lambert. Hello, Candace. Hi, Katie. We are going to be doing something a little bit different for Stuff You Missed in History class today. We don't usually begin the history lesson with a reference to the Talmud or the Bible, but we have an interesting facet of religious history that may have influenced a, a piece of uh, history in, in Prague during a time when Jewish ghettos were very much alive and a part of the city's landscape. An unfortunate, I should say, part of the city's landscape. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of a golem. The first time I came across one was reading the novel The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. But it's basically a soulless, thoughtless lump of clay in the shape of a man that's been animated with some sort of life force. And the most famous golem is the golem of Prague. And let's go back to 16th century Prague in the Jewish ghetto when there was lots of anti-Semitic feelings and there were allegations of blood libel, which basically means that people were saying the Jews were using the blood of Christians and specifically Christian children in some of their religious ceremonies, such as Passover during the Seder meal. In the 16th century, one of the most famous rabbis who lived in Prague was Rabbi Love. And today he's very much revered for his scholarly contributions to the Jewish community. He was a very prolific writer, wrote some 27 different books about Jewish philosophy, Jewish mysticism, and helped propagate ideas about um, the idea of Jewish exile and Zionism, and really instilled in the Jewish people who were forced to live in the ghettos a, a sense of hope and a sense of purpose despite the fact that they were being shut out of society and met with such opposition from the rest of Prague. And in the 1500s, it wasn't just anti-Jewish feeling. There were violent attacks. There were pogroms on the Jewish people. And basically, they were in need of a protector. And the story goes that Rabbi Lev created a golem, I believe, with some members of his family. He did. And this is where history turns a little bit to legend and folklore. So you'll have to pardon us on this tangent into semi-history, and then we'll get back to the facts. So according to legend, Rabbi Lev and his son-in-law and his best student set out to create a golem, which would be designed, automaton that it was, to protect the Jewish people of Prague. And the reason that Lev chose son-in-law and the student was because they embodied the different elements that were necessary to make a golem. Lev had the element of air, the son-in-law, fire, and the student, water. And those together with the clay used to make the body of the golem and pure virgin spring water would have brought it to life. And I believe legend goes that Rabbi Lev used his knowledge of Kabbalah to make the golem come alive by, I think, writing one of the names of God on a piece of paper? Well, and it seems that there's different ways from what I understand of what I've read about the very intense mystical and spiritual process behind creating a golem. It seems like there's a couple of different ways one could be created. Like you mentioned, um, putting sacred words on a piece of paper and attaching it to the golem's forehead would have brought it to life in one version of the story I read, they circled the body of the golem seven times and then chanted sacred words. 
And other sources say that there's um, a special type of alphabet that's recited in accordance with the sacred name of God. And there's a an activation word that brings the golem to life. One of the more common legends, I think, is that the word truth it was, was inscribed on the golem's forehead. Right. And to be clear, the legend attributed to the golem of Prague, um, of course, you get into a very gray area when you start talking about religious tenets, because some people may hold those to be true and others may not ascribe to that particular religion. But in the case of the golem of Prague, that's part of the legend, that the word truth was the activation word used to bring this golem to life. And after the golem came to life, he set about, or it set about, taking care of the Jewish people. Um, It was said that he could be invisible and raise up spirits from the dead to help protect the people. And to clear their good name, because there were many instances of the Jewish people being scapegoated by by members of the city who would bring dead Christian children into the ghettos to make it look like the blood libel was true, that they were killing these Christian children. But eventually, the golem somehow went bad and went on some sort of a rampage and started actually menacing the Jewish people he was supposed to protect, as well as everyone else in Prague. And so Rabbi Love, of course, was forced to deactivate for lack of a better word, take the life force out of the golem. And according to legend, he took the life force from the golem away and then put him in the attic of the synagogue. The old new synagogue in Prague. Which still stands today. Here we are crossing again from the realm of legend back into history. So follow me, if you will, back in history now. Great. So the old new synagogue still stands today. And no one's allowed into the attic. We don't know what's there. But people still go to Prague looking for the golem, much like they go looking for Kafka souvenirs. (laughs) Very nice. And there are some merchants in Prague who have made a living out of popularizing the figure of the golem. Golem dolls, restaurants named after the golem, golem tours, things like this. People are very curious about it. But... It's unfortunate for serious scholars in the Jewish community that Lev's name is associated with the Golem of Prague because he likely had nothing to do with the legend, and the legend is likely just that, legendary. The legend came about, I don't even think the Golem was attached to Rabbi Lev's name until, what, the 1800s? Yeah, uh, 200 years after his death in 1847. Well, the funny thing was that rabbis of the time were actually supposedly trying to make Golems, but not Rabbi Lev. No, he was more known for the aforementioned facts of his scholarly pursuits into philosophy and mysticism. So who was it exactly that started putting his name with the Golem of Prague? I'm not quite sure that I can put a name with that person, but I do know, like I said, in 1847, a book of Jewish folklore came out that attributed Lev to the Golem of Prague. And because Lev was so well-respected in the Jewish community, he would have been very well-known and very famous for his time. And so it's likely that the person putting together this compilation of folklore said, well, the Golem's pretty famous, so is Lev. They must be connected somehow, when in fact they were not. But that's not to say that the legend of the Golem hasn't influenced popular culture in the arts today, because it has, in very strange and interesting ways. The Golem has actually appeared on The Simpsons, in case you were wondering. And in 1920s German silent films, the Golem appeared as this lumbering, monstrous figure. 
And some sources say that that type of lumbering automaton went on to influence Frankenstein's monster. I watched a clip of that silent film actually today. You can find little bits of it on YouTube. Good to know. It's also good to know that the golem persists as this type of legendary savior who can rescue the world from its darkest hour, not unlike King Arthur. You know, I guess that's the closest corollary I can think of, but we discussed King Arthur in a podcast a while ago, and we talked about that when the world reaches that point where it just can't be turned back to good, King Arthur will come and, and set things right. And part of the legend of the golem that persists is that when we're in our darkest hour, the golem will return and, I guess, walk the streets menacingly until things are good again. And the New York Times ran an article earlier this month about the golem coming back in this time of crisis, and they quoted a derivatives trader, Jacob Roth, who's also a prominent member of the Jewish community, who explained that the golem protects from, to quote him, global recession, Islamic fundamentalism, Russian aggression. It wouldn't be out of left field to say that these types of conditions are ripe for the golem to come back. And he's certainly suggesting that the world is in a place now that it could use a golem, But you raised a question to me earlier, Katie, when we were talking about the golem that made a lot of sense. Because by definition, the golem takes instruction, very literally. And unless it has that guiding force, what would happen? Well, exactly. And it's not a messiah that just comes. It's something that the people of a community create and give life to and then give direction to, even if the golem golem of Prague was said to have gone on its murderous rampage. That's not generally what golems do. No, and I guess the part of the legend where I'm a little bit foggy is the idea of the golem coming back. I think the New York Times was referencing the golem of Prague specifically, that the golem of Prague would come back. But as you were saying, you know, he had reached such a, a point of destruction in this legend, it seems unlikely that that would be the right golem for the job. But if the world needed a golem, is it unthinkable to say that members of the Jewish community today couldn't create one to set things right? Well, and there seems to be a bit of debate about whether a golem could be real or is just, in fact, some sort of myth. And it's hard to decipher between fact and fiction because, as we began the podcast by saying, there's mention of golem in the Talmud, and the Bible makes reference to this incomplete substance that gives rise to man. Exactly, like with Adam in the Bible, who is made out of clay and then was imbued with a spirit from God to become a person and become someone with a soul. But before that, he was just a man-shaped clay figure. Exactly. So when we talk about the golem of Prague, it's certainly an an intriguing legend and even a a little bit of a a scary story to think about a, a golem amok in the streets. But... In a religious context, obviously, it's it's an idea that's very important to the tenets of Jewish mysticism. And in a historical sense, to take it one step further, it's also important to remember, despite the aspect of the story that includes the golem, that the Jews very much were persecuted in Prague and that they were forced to live in the ghettos. And even though the idea of, of blood libel is in dispute whether or not the, the Jewish people were charged with blood libel, it is a facet of history and it's a facet of, of Prague's history. When it's something that's still important, neo-Nazis have been on the rise in Germany and in other countries and anti-Semitism is not a thing of the past. 
Katie, you've, you've raised a very serious question, but I do have one last aspect of um, Nazi history that pertains to the Gellum that I think would be an interesting tidbit to leave our readers with. Uh, again, this is all dependent on whether you buy into the Gollum legend or you ascribe to a religion that supports the idea of the existence of a Gollum. But according to the Gollum of Prague's story, uh, he so fiercely guarded the attic of the old new synagogue where he was kept, where Rabbi Love put him, that the synagogue stayed intact and no one disturbed it. We're talking about the Gestapo coming through. We're talking about maybe even um, urban development coming through. This this place really withstood its hold in Prague. And my favorite story is that when the Nazi soldiers came through and were raising the temples, raising the synagogues, this one was untouched. And apparently a few Nazi soldiers got up into the attic of the synagogue where they found the golem and the golem tore them apart limb by limb. So I think there's a lesson there. A sobering thought, indeed. So be sure, as always, to email us your feedback and your comments on this podcast and any others. That email address, again, is historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. And be sure to visit our website for more information on legends and folklore at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Thank you.